What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. If it sounds like I've just been doing lines off my kitchen table, that's because how do you not get excited after a game like that? What were there? Uh, Let me do some quick math. 267 combined points scored, Jeremy? Do I have that right? That's correct. Two, yeah, that was some good quick math in my head. Jeremy Cohen is here with me, of course, for our usual um, spot that we record on Sundays, and that comes to you on Mondays. Um, fair warning, it is 6.52 p.m. as we are starting this podcast. I am a movie nut. I love all of the nonsense that surrounds movies. I will be seated on the couch by 8 p.m., to watch the start of the Golden Globes, a award show run and put on by a meaningless, random group of foreign people that should mean nothing and yet mean so much. And I just buy right into it. Jeremy, will you be watching the Golden Globes? I think I will. Yeah, I got most of my cooking done. So oh, there you go. I should be. Yeah, I'm around. So I might as well. We're we're in a little a little pool with some some close friends uh, with a big fifty dollar pot in which we picked all the categories. So um, uh, I know it has not been a successful betting week for you, which we don't have to get into, but hopefully it'll be a good betting night for me. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. Fingers crossed for you. Luke. Yes. Uh, that it's better than yours. Um, let's let, okay. So we have a lot to get to. I, I wanted to say that to start, which to say that we're not going to go over an hour. So you could set your, your clocks. If you're, if you're listening, um, Let's start with the game that just happened, and and we could, you know, I guess we could go a, a little bit bigger picture than just this game because I think it. Well, let's let me let's start here. I think this game was, in a lot of ways, um, an affirmation about, you know, a, a lot of, and look, they gave up 135 points to a team missing its best player. I don't want to. I don't want to make it out to be like the Knicks came in and did something revolutionary today, but they played a team that after the first, I would say, I don't know, seven minutes of the game, like literally was playing as well as a basketball team can play on offense, at least. Um, And they took every punch and they managed to fight back. And they, they, this was a game with under 30 seconds to go until Lou Williams hit uh, a shot that would um, essentially uh, be the game game winner. To me, it was very telling, at least as far as like, you know, a month ago, anybody who had a blog or a national media outlet or like a, literally anything had a Twitter account 
was talking about how it things were broken and they were going to stay broken and they would always be broken and broken, 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 broken. And it, to me, after today, at least I feel like Nick fans can like look themselves in the mirror as we as we do sometimes and be like, you know what, this isn't, this hasn't all gone to shit. Um, there's some things happening here which are which are good. There's good stuff happening. Like that's what I like to me. Like this this game was kind of again maybe not so much an affirmation, but it was a reminder that you know maybe they're like. The whole like not staying the course is a loaded term, and I don't want to. We could maybe get into that, but like that's what I took from today. What did you take from today? You know, even without Kawhi, this is a very good team, and my God, team that just got (laughs) they got absolutely destroyed by the Grizzlies. Not even twenty four hours earlier, they were booed on their own court. I think they lost by around forty. So this is a team that was clearly looking to prove itself against a Knicks team that's you know. It's a Sunday, 12.30 p.m. game in Los Angeles. I was expecting a drubbing, not so much because of the fact that the the Knicks are far worse than the Clippers, but it's just we. how many times have we seen teams like or like the Rockets going into Miami and James Harden just lights it up at a strip club and the Rockets go up in flames in that game. Like, why you got to pick, pick on Harden? Right. <laughs> you know, so I thought it was incredible, obviously, that the Knicks were out to a 45-29 lead after one. It was, um, I believe, MSG or the Knicks PR team said it was the highest scoring first quarter they've ever had. Yep. And of course, it then the second quarter was tied for the most points they've ever allowed in a second quarter in franchise history. So very up and very down. But you can't. You really can't be unhappy with this result. Um, I was looking at the the past, well, really Mike Miller's tenure, and he's coached for 14 games now, and I believe eight of the 14 have all been decided by seven points or less. Wow! And his record's three and five, and it, I really don't care. It's just the fact that this team. Well, his re- in those games, down. his record is three and five. Uh, we should say yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. In the games decided by uh, seven points or less. Yep. It's been that and. And that's great. You know, it seems like this team is finally finding an identity. And I understand that there are fans then who say, well, why would you want to break that identity up? Because things do take time, of course. But before we, you know, expand more into that, this is the type of game where, I mean, Mitchell Robinson got absolutely picked apart in pick and roll with Harrell. He was just a phenomenal player today. And he's he's just a great bench player to begin with. And I think it's a great learning lesson for Mitch. You know, there we don't want things to be super easy for him right now. We want things to to be challenging because that's how you learn more. You know, I mean, of course we want things to go well for him, right? But it's nice to sometimes have these situations where he can learn more from his mistakes than from uh, his successes. So I see this as a tremendous learning opportunity and it's nice to see RJ back from the dead. He really struggled in the last 10, 15 games. It seems like that rookie wall turns out playing him excessive minutes when you're in your rookie season, you're 19 years old. Maybe not the best idea in terms of how it <laughs> compounds over time. Perhaps uh, not. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, it just it seemed like a Mook, of course, was on fire. Even the shots that in the fourth quarter, especially where we thought that they weren't going to go in, he somehow made them. He was just trying to draw contact and he hit he got five points that way and they were crucial crunch time points. So, you know, it, it's uh, and the bench has been playing solidly over well i guess you could say i think the knicks are around fourth overall this season and uh bench points per game so you just this is kind of i think what a lot of fans really wanted 
I can't speak for them, but personally, I've I've long been looking for close games where the the team has a good chance of winning, but it goes to the other team, the team that's that's better deserving, I guess you could say. Even though I don't know if you could say the Clippers were more deserving this game because each team fought tremendously hard. Overall, you can't be unhappy with this game, and you can't be unhappy with this week. It was it was promising. Yeah, no, it, it was. Um, I. I think we should absolutely be encouraged by what we saw. And, you know, a lot of times with this team, I try to like compartmentalize everything into like how the young players are doing versus like how like are we winning because of like the veterans and are we taking the right type of shot profile? And like, is the defensive scheme that they're doing sustainable or did they mostly stay in the game because of like unsustainable things like just teams missing a bunch of open threes or stuff like that? And you get into like little nitpicky things like, well, you know, was the value of RJ Barrett's minutes today? Like, did that outweigh the fact that like Kevin Knox only played six minutes? Um, You know, and these are all the types of things you ask yourself. But at the end of the day, the Knicks nearly beat a team that is supposed to be competing for a championship. And that has to feel good. You know, I mean, I know I'm sure a loss doesn't feel good in the locker room, but overall, the fact that they're they did that today and that they've been playing well and that they could feel good about themselves like that has to feel good. And the only way, you know, I mean, barring, you know, uh, tra- uh, trading for or signing or drafting a franchise altering player, which is that that they they tried to go that route this summer and it didn't work out like to turn an organization around. You just have to put one foot in front of the other. And I know I, I kind of go back to this well a lot, but I, I think all of these little steps are important, um, which is why, I yes, I will continue to pay attention to this team day in and day out for the rest of the season because I think it matters. Um, I, I, I don't think we need to have the conversation every day about like, well, is this extending of the life of a front office that like should be extended or shouldn't be extended? Um, like, are you like, uh, you've been, I'm curious how you feel about this. Cause you've, you've at times this season have been like, they need to tank for the worst record in the league. Are Where are you on that? Cause I know you feel pretty strongly about that at one point. Yeah, that's a great question. And one I'm trying to answer for myself because it's not an easy I, good answer. I, I don't, I don't, it's not, yeah. but you know what, what really changed for me is just understanding and learning more about this draft class. And there's plenty for us to learn. And it's not to say that there won't be any game changers available in the top five. I still think that the the tried and true method is maybe not the best method, but it's it's well, like, I mean, I guess you could say it is the best method based on finding multiple top five picks who are who have grown into elite players. But like today, for example, the thought of Mook and, and Knox, for example, I would say that in the grand scheme of things. There's a, a smaller window for Mook to prove that he has – to at least solidify the fact that we believe he has first-round value, right? But for Knox, it's kind of like, well, we're not necessarily seeing him getting flipped anytime soon. Maybe he does. Who knows? And You mean Knox gets flipped that, for – Who even knows at this point? But And this isn't to say that his progress and his development should fall by the wayside. But it's a sort of thing where looking at this one game, I think you could say that – Mook having 38 and playing 35 minutes yeah. versus Knox having two and playing six. And so of course there's, there's far more, it's far more complex than that. Right. But the sort of thing where 
this game, I think, was more important for Marcus Morris in the grand scheme of things because the window to keep him is much smaller. And yes, the Knicks could re-sign him, but things are a little complicated. And again, we'll go into that more. I just see this as at a certain point, you just kind of have to focus on the guys that rise to the top and you have to deal with them first and then deal with the other guys later. No, I think dealing with Marcus Morris and seeing what he's able to do on the floor. That's, that is, that's the most important thing for this team right now. But in terms of, you know, kind of burning it down, I still think a top five pick, at least from an asset standpoint is incredibly important. But to me, it's, it's really just about accumulating assets in total. And Marcus Morris gives you the best chance of accumulating, accumulating more assets than you would have had before. So, you know, my, and the thing is with the front office, it's, it's, um, I think the next thing we can really judge them on is the trade deadline. Oh, because yeah. until then it's like they made their decision with Mike Miller. You know, like we knew that the Fizdale, if, I guess if you looked at it in parts, right? Like this summer was certainly underwhelming based on everything we were told. And then you look at Fizdale and everything that went on there and that was even more underwhelming. And then you look at what Mike Miller's doing and it feels, it feels like you're at least trending upwards. And so Again, and this is kind of the way I think I will feel in about a month and I think a month and a day. No, it's a, I think it's about exactly a month. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's February 6th. Yeah. Right. So the way I look at it is the Knicks over the next month, they really there's really not that much that they can do front office wise that will really make or break things unless it's a transaction. And then from there, it's a different story, of course. But my belief right now is that if the Knicks front office does agree to sell, I have faith that they can get good value even though the their track record has been lackluster because i think that the players that they have they've got the right combination of talent and uh an appreciative contract situation in terms of the years that they can actually do a decent job of of um turning those into future assets but but i believe my other kind of my other opinion is that i don't have the confidence that this front office is the one that can use the assets it's found and turn them into better assets from there, right? Because like, I don't want to say trading is the easy part. Tearing things down is certainly easy. Uh, what you get back is is it very much dependent on if there's a team that's desperate or if there's a bidding war. But I, I again, I think my position is I think they'll do fine at the trade deadline, assuming they do decide to sell. But after that, it's kind of just like I, I think I would rather trust someone else behind the wheel. Yeah, no, and 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 look, just because they've had a nice month and and like like to I don't want to say that they were their plan like this month proves their their plan B like what they did with plan B. I don't want to say that this last month proves them like that it was a good plan B or it was an okay plan B. It's like, and aside from the fact, even even if we can sit here definitively and be like, you know what, once the stars weren't happening. The approach they took was the best approach. Even if you could make that claim, which I'm not sure where we're any closer to making than we were before the season started. Um, that's not, that's not ultimately how this front office should be judged. It's a part of the judgment. And I think it's incorrect. And, and that's, I think why a lot of people are kind of getting on JB these days is because he's, it feels like he's kind of taking the attitude like, well, you know, Mills like he Mills should be out, which is again, it's it's fine if you feel if you feel like nothing that happens the rest of the season should matter, and that he's like 
the front office has shown you enough or the opposite of enough to like already have signed their own pink slips like that. That's a defendable decision. Um, my only point is that like it, you, you, you always continue to assess and you always consider, you always continue to consider what you're seeing from your team play out. Um, that, that said, just to finish up what I was saying is like, you can't just take this season. Like you have to take the last several years. And if you, if you really want to with Mills, you, you could take, you know, large parts of the last 20 years. Um, which kind of gets us to the Kawhi thing, which was or was not news yesterday, depending on your point of view. Um, and that's like kind of, I guess the point that I'm making is like, you really have to look at this stuff in total and like how how much how much faith can we really have in these guys um after like again like say what you want about the media they ask the guy a question that's a reasonable question to ask i'm sorry if you don't agree but like they, they haven't heard from him on the Knicks since he signed his like since whatever ever so he was sitting there yesterday. They said, did you, you know, they asked him about the meeting. He said, no, I never considered the Knicks and I didn't, I wasn't aware of a scheduled meeting like that. Does that affect how you, let's just start with that. Does that affect how you view this front office in terms of like their credibility slash like, are they, were they like putting, putting one over on all of us last year with like some of the verbiage about what they were saying is like, you know, free agents want to come here and this and that. It just feels like a front office that's too scared to fail. That's interesting. You know, like the, it seemed like the reward for finishing with a 17 and 65 record was a top five pick and Kevin Durant and a buddy of his. And the team got one out of three of those. Okay. That's, yeah. that's great. That's fine. But I think what bothered <clears throat> me more is I, like, honestly, I didn't expect Kawhi to come here in the first place. I definitely didn't expect it when Kevin Durant went down. Um, and I certainly didn't expect it when Durant and Kyrie Irving signed with Brooklyn, not because they signed with Brooklyn, but because it seemed like Kawhi was always dead set on acquiring a star or signing with a star. And Julius Randle and Bobby Portis, it just wasn't really going to get the job done. And to me, it was like, OK, it doesn't really matter if you could have gotten a meeting with Kawhi or not, because the reality is that a 17 and 65 team yes it's it's one thing to look to be optimistic you know it's amazing that that type of team could even be in the running for um a, a player like kevin durant but it's just like with with Kawhi, there's no harm in in just ignoring him he's he he has no affiliation there's no reason he's going to join you in the yeah. first place saying we're going to get a meeting but we you know we decided not to it just like it just it honestly makes you kind of look clownish because you have nothing to prove as a 1765 team unless what you're trying to say is like, well, this trade that we made for our franchise player to get him out to create cap space uh, to get a player that we could have had a meeting with but didn't necessarily want to meet with us but we could have met with him in the first. It doesn't matter if we're judging based on results. The semantics involved to me just it, – it, it, it means nothing. And uh, it, to me, it's like if you're, if you're Mills and you are so dead set on trying to prove to everyone – that you could have had this, or you you were this close to getting that, or just that you're in the conversation, that you're right. in, like you're you're playing at the big kids table, or the the right. yeah whatever. It's like okay, well, from a fan perspective, I don't really care because the results that we're seeing aren't there. I don't expect it to begin with. It's nice 
sure, it's great that it was even a thought, but there's nothing wrong with just saying we were a bad team. We tried to get these players. We didn't get them. You know, like like the whole thing of uh, a statement right afterwards when Durant signed. Like it's that type of thing where it's well, that was ridiculous it feels like, on its face. Right, exactly. But it, it feels like the front office is doing far too much because they're afraid to fail. And the idea of that is is sink or swim. Like Mills failing to me, and this has never happened yet, but it, it almost feels like there's no one else for – there are no other bodies for Mills to kind of throw under the bus. So him saying about Kawhi feels very much just like, you know, I've got to show that we were at least in the running. Well, when it really just doesn't matter. No, just, it, it doesn't. It's bad. It's okay. You can accept it. Just – just move on and focus on the future. You don't have to dwell on the past. But it doesn't matter if you're operating from the perspective of the one that you're saying, which is that we're a 17-win team who put ourselves in a position to potentially have this thing happen. It didn't happen. Now we move on. But again, it the it the conversation. And again, I I I, I get annoyed when media people be like, what are like. Well, the Knicks, you know, spoke up at every opportunity trying to convince people that these guys were coming here. No, that's not true. They went on, I think it was what, two radio shows at the end of the day. Dolan also went on the radio show. Like, yeah, there was the stupid Durant um, uh, season take. The What was it? The picture that they sent out with like Durant guarding Nick. What? Yeah, with Mitchell Robinson and yeah. Durant. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not that they like went out of their way to say this stuff. And obviously every time they were interviewed about it, like they were responding to questions, but I, I can't shake the feeling like there are ways to go about building slash rebuilding an organization. And I just don't get the feeling that going about it this way, like trying to, I don't, I hate to say this, but like trying to talk your way out of it. Right. Like try, it's that's yeah. it doesn't that doesn't leave me feeling good, like it doesn't leave me feeling secure. Like I'm, I, and maybe this is just my mentality as someone who like I respects the person who puts their head down and like goes about their business silently and and gets results as opposed to the person who talks about it and that doesn't get anything. I just feel like when you're talking about it, that inherently means to me, and maybe this is unfair of me, that there's stuff that you could be doing that you're not doing, and that's what. That's why the, the 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 this little Kawhi revelation, for as silly and stupid as it was, and I, I I don't blame people for getting upset that it became a story, but like that's why I I spent a second thought on it, you know? Yeah, and it's annoying that we even have to dwell on it even more, right? Because the fact is, we we are all very comfortable with the team that we have, not satisfied, but we under like you know, it's been a long time since July. We've gotten over it. Yeah, we've rationalized no, I, I, yeah. it. We're cool with it. So the idea of it coming up again, you know, it had to come up, right? Because what beat writer wasn't going to and, ask the question? Because and that's please don't job. blame, please don't blame the beat writers for asking the guy the question. It's like there's eighteen fucking newspapers. Sorry, there's eighteen newspapers in this town. It's like <laughs> you got to print something, and it's like I know that's not a satisfying answer to people, but it's New York. It's literally the most competitive media market in the history of humanity. There's nine professional sports teams, or however many there is. It's like. They're going to ask the question. Sorry, I just had to say that. No, that's. I mean, you're right. Um. But anyway, sorry. No, it's. I mean, that. It seems like we kind of kind of touched upon it, but it's the sort of thing where it just again, it it feels like Mills goes out of his way to try to deflect or say like, well, that that didn't happen because we could have done this. Really, dude, just 
you know, and again, but this is the other thing, like, right. Mills isn't the reason why this conversation is coming up now. So just, I think we just move on. Yeah. It, it, it happened. Fortunately, it was just a weekend thing. We didn't have to dwell on it during the week. No, you're right. Kind of just get cycled out. And now we move on to the Lakers game. Yeah. And, and, and we move on and we move on to see what this team could do. Um, you know, on the on the court, and let, let's spend a second talking about that before we get to the the Marcus Morris trade stuff. So tonight we saw probably R.J. Barrett's best game as a pro, um, and and specifically we saw him put his head down. Um, I'm actually going to pull up his um, his shot chart right now because I don't think his he took uh, many shots at all outside of either. Uh, the paint um, or from three. I think his, his shot selection was pretty good tonight. Um, of course, now my computer doesn't want to pull this up. I said, I see how you doing. He took only two threes. My daughter just came downstairs and she's <laughs> very cute. Um, so I had to say hi. He took two threes. At, at my, my computer, of course, decides like it doesn't want to work right now. I think I felt like pretty much the rest of his shots were in or around the paint. Um, and obviously he got to the line 11 times. I feel like tonight was a microcosm of how RJ Barrett needs to play to be successful in the NBA. And that to me was like, it's not like that was a revelation, um, but it was nice to see. What did what'd you think of RJ tonight? Yeah, well, so just looking at his shot chart now, he took four shots that I could call mid-range, two from deep. Um, quick maths, that's what, five? Shots. So that, I, I believe four plus two equals six. I ha, I would have to so check five, that yeah. on a calculator. So he took five shots at the rim. Okay. Um, well, you know, again, it's just pretty good. It's it's a sort of thing where maybe we need to get Steve Nash to come to these games more often. <laughs> but I yeah, like and that. of course you would you would love to see RJ record maybe like even one assist per game. But I'm 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 not trying to nitpick here. Uh, it's the sort of thing where I know he looked he looked really lost for a long time, and I think that's the biggest balance for him right now is figuring out how to get his so quote unquote get his versus like get everybody else involved. And I you know it's he's nineteen. I think he's just figuring that out on the pro level. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, Randall had an abysmal game against the Suns, but. It, the funny thing is that he, he seemed to snap back a little bit more than what we would suggest because you could play the what if game. But if he if he hits a couple more of his free throws and of, of course, we I feel like we can't not talk about this game without talking about free throws because oh missing God. 13 free throws. It harkens back to what was more of the Fizdale days, which I feel like it's gotten. And it wasn't RJ, by the way. RJ was not missed too. And, and here's the crazy thing. You really can't blame Marcus Morris because he had the best, literally the best game of his career. And he missed four of the 13 free throws. Um, Kadeem missed two. who got fouled on a three point attempt and he only made one of the three. And then Randall went three for six, but like, am I, you know, Randall's been so good from the line. Although that, that him shooting one of those technicals at the beginning of the game was maybe the most infuriating moment of the season. For Inexplicable. Me. Inexplicable. Anyway, sorry. But the, the ironic part is that the player who was on the court who should have taken it, which, I mean, for so many might scoff, but it was it should have been no, Frank. should have been Frank. But then, of course, down the stretch, he misses the free throw. So yeah. what, what can you do? Um, yeah, Frank, I mean, by the way, had a nice game. Uh, I want to highlight that really quick. Frank had, and, and Frank's kind of – let me ask you this really quick. Um, Frank Nilakina for you this season – Forget about what we expected before the season started because I, I 
I think we both expected that he probably wouldn't be here anymore. Um, but uh, in terms of like what he's actually given them on the court, are you, if there's like a median line of like happy versus like disappointed, are you more happy than disappointed on the whole with what Frank, like if somebody told you like, Hey, this kid's actually finally going to get whatever it is, 25 minutes a night. This is what he's going to give you. Do you think you would have been happy with what you've gotten? Um, you know, with, with a lot of late nights like tonight, seven points, five assists, four rebounds, um, two turnovers. One was really not very good. You know, three, seven from the floor like that to me, that's, you know, great defense, obviously. You take that, right? Yeah. You know, I look at a lot of these players kind of like a buy, sell, hold. And Frank is a very strong hold for me. Um, because a way of putting maybe, it. maybe if things went a little differently, if he was doing even worse, I would say, you know, it's he's still young. I agree. But his rookie contract is ticking. Um, it's going to be up soon. Maybe you have to look to some sort of value. But I don't feel he's in that place where the Knicks have to really – look at that and i think he's built his value back up to being a player who should at least be proving that he can he can stick it here and also he's he's worthy of the chance exactly and when he does eventually enter free agency he's not going to cost that much and you need guys like that you need rotation players who can have that sort of ceiling you don't need to shell out 10 12 million dollars necessarily depends on the market of course but he he to me he, he kind of provides consistency of course you could say that his inconsistent shot is consistent on its own uh it's a different kind of consistency but you know i just look at it and it's like you see the improvements especially from where he is and or where he was and every year he seems to take some sort of step forward you do wish the shot would fall of course but you do but then again it's not supposed to be a starting caliber point guard right now anyway like if you're comparing him with the rest of the league then of course he's going to look worse. You kind of just have to look at him for what he's giving you and what he is. You have to compare Frank to Frank. Like we've now seen, you know, two and a half years worth of him. We know what his, what, what the good version of Frank is going to look like. And more importantly, I think we could finally stop having the conversation about, about what he's not going to be. Like we know what he's not going to be and that's fine. Um, Let's continue to judge him on what he could be. And I think tonight for me, it was an encouraging sign, um, you know, of that. And this season has been slightly above the medium of, of encouraging. Um, I'll tell you one guy, oddly enough, who it didn't seem like they missed a ton, although maybe they did and we're just not realizing it was Alfred Payton because Kadeem Allen came in and gave them some nice minutes, four of nine from the field, um, 9.6 dimes. I, would you mind terribly seeing a Frank Kadeem backcourt tandem for the rest of the year? I don't think I would mind that. No, no, I wouldn't mind at all. And especially if you can clear enough space to bring up Lamar Peters. Oh my God, I love me some Lamar Peters. It would be great. You know, and I could see the Knicks also converting Kadeem Allen's contract to being a, because, you know, he's gone at the end of the year anyway, because I think he signed a two year, two way contract. Yeah. It's the end of the the second year. You might as well reward him. If you have the roster spot, you could always bring up Lamar Peters for on a two way deal, and then you could convert him or or Kenny next Wooten, year. Who's someone else that I know a lot of fans are interested in? Wouldn't absolutely. I still don't quite understand why Rob was signed to the two way, and Wooten, well, it doesn't really can matter. Can we can we get it like a, a, a one of those like uh, like five thousand word um, internal investigative reports, um, which is forty five hundred words, probably too many, about why the hell Ivan Rob has Kenny Wooten's two way. <laughs> 
I, I, I'm sure. I, listen, I'm sure there's it's got to be pedigree. It ha- it has to be the fact that he was a projected first round pick, and they thought they could get something out of him. And with Kenny Wooten, he kind of was under the radar, but. I, I I certainly would have rather seen Kenny Wooten on a two way deal. You keep him in house, and then if you want to promote him, I mean, look, nobody signed Wooten yet. He's obviously right. you know if he's if he was that amazing, somebody would have would have signed him. It's not like he's you know like ready to revolutionize the game. He's guy still has limitations, but just uh, that irks me. Look, before we talk about Mook, very quick word on Kevin Knox. I mentioned before he had he only played six minutes. Minus 11 in those six minutes. Today was a game that um, if you were just absolutely not on your P's and Q's defensively, you were going to get roasted by this Clipper team. Um, and not to say that Knox wasn't on his P's and Q's, but it's it it was a rough couple of minutes that, that he played. Um, Ian Bagley had a nice article before the game. He interviewed Knox's trainer in which Knox's trainer uh, said all the things you want to hear. Like Knox is a, you know, he puts in the work and he um, he he strives to get better. He's a good kid. He doesn't go out. He's always at the gym late and all the things. He also had some interesting comments about how Knox has struggled with the lack of playing time. He feels like Knox has kind of looked over his shoulder a little bit with with, you know, and with the coaching change, like the coach needs to get used to using him and figuring out what his role is. Um there was definitely a little bit of, if not blame, being put on the Knicks for Knox's struggles. Like a little bit of like, you know, hey, everybody, including the team that employs him, needs to remember that the kid is twenty years old, and um, you know, y- you got to stick with this. Uh, I think the Knicks are going to stick with it. I'm not particularly discouraged by him playing only six minutes today because um, I like what we've seen of Knox of late. To me, I think the biggest. Like you know what the you know what the one thing is that by the end of this season could get me to judge the to like really give this front office like a, an, an actual real like you know what I will give you guys a second thought as like someone who should be employed after the season if they trade Marcus Morris Marcus Morris tomorrow or the next week or whatever Knox steps in and for the rest of the year plays twenty five minutes a night and looks like a a two way player who really belongs. That would get me. That would really impress me. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. I would imagine not expecting it. You're just hoping for it. You know, I think he's going to get there. Maybe not. I don't know what there is. I think he's going to get somewhere better <laughs> than where he is right now. I just don't. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. Um, I think it'll happen for Mitchell Robinson this year. I think we're going to see a huge jump from him, even more so than we've already seen. Um, I don't know if we're getting it from Knox this year, though. Um, all right. Shall anything else on this game before we talk about Marcus Morris? Uh, just a quick thing in regards to Wooten. So I looked it up because I was genuinely curious about when the Knicks signed Trey Burke. Okay. And it was January 14th. So we're January, if you're hearing this, January 6th. So, if I mean, and Burke was an, was an NDA player. You know, obviously he struggled. He, but he was a lottery pick who then kind of came up. So I feel like if it took that long for him to be signed by the Knicks, and the reason he was signed by the Knicks was because he was going to go to a showcase – and the Knicks put a stop to it. Said, "No, no, no! All right, we'll we'll finally give you a roster spot." Um, then that that was a different thing. But for Wooten, I think there's a little bit more leeway, at least for when it is. But again, I still don't understand why Ivan Rab got a two way deal over him. That to me doesn't make sense. But no, that's that's it. Before we get to Marcus Morris, okay. Um, I like it. I just want you to know the whole time that you were talking about Kenny Wooten just now, my. Uh, daughter is next to me at first sticking her tongue out at me and then um 
licking my hand uh, as as it were towards the end of your little um, <laughs> what you just said. So Maybe that's she wants a dog. That's her way of saying she. she wants I a dog. know she does want a dog. Um, she has expressed as much um, already in the past, uh, and um, a dog is more likely than a little a little brother or sister at this point. So you know, it, let's <laughs> it cheers for the dog. Marcus Morris it, had. Um, 38 points tonight on 19 shots. He had double points, double the amount of points that he had shots taken, which is, I mean, that, that that's Harden-esque. Um, and um, he just, I don't, you know, how many players every year are traded that will actually make a material difference on who wins the NBA championship in that given season? I think sometimes the answer is zero. Maybe sometimes the answer is one. Um, I think Marcus Morris could be that guy, um, for some team and especially for the right team. And maybe it was the team that we saw play today. I'm curious if you saw my poll, my Twitter poll, um, from, I guess, Friday about, yeah, I gave like four choices of like, what would you trade Marcus Morris for? And I think it was basically like, get the best offer you can for him. Um, Trade him as long as it's something better than like a menial second round pick. Um, trade him if it's the right deal, whatever that may be. Like it has to be a good deal or hang on to him at all costs. Um, I know you're not in the hang on to him at all costs camp. I, I, I'm curious which of the other three buckets you fall into. So I did see it. I put myself in the first bucket. Which is get, basically get the best deal you can find. Yeah, but you know, I, I you thought, and Alan Sepinwall, man, you and Alan <laughs> Sepinwall are proudly raising. I mean, look, it was like, what did it get? Like thirty percent of the vote, something like that. that yeah, but that I choice. Alex uh, Collins made a good point in terms of like the first two were very similar, so I think it kind of split the vote because I mean, we'll obviously get into it now. But in terms of you said greater than a second round pick for your second choice, right? I. Well, the first two were get the best deal you could get, and the second that was the first choice, and the second choice was get the it was essentially get the best deal, but it has to be better than just a second round pick. So it's essentially the question of if you if you're getting nothing but a second round pick for Marcus Morris, would you trade him? And you're telling me that your your answer is yes. I think it really depends on what's coming back, but. Well, let me of- let me just give you okay. Can I let me? I'm I'm gonna stop you right there. Um, I, I'm just again. I'm just throwing a team out there. At Portland, Portland right now is has owns the what would be the 44th pick in the draft. Maybe it ends up if if they get Marcus Morris to be like the 47th or the 48th or the 49th pick in the draft. You're telling me you would do Marcus Morris for Kent Bazemore and the what essentially will be a a pick in the mid 40s. All right, so let me let me go back just a moment. Sure. I think I think with second round picks, people kind of look at second round picks and then look down on them, but the reality is that there are certainly some very tantalizing second round picks that will be within the top 10 of the second round, which I don't want to say they're better than first round pick talent, but the truth is that you're not beholden to a first round, a first round picks rookie skill contract. But can I it, can I just I I I want you we'll finish and then I want to say what I'm going to say. Yeah. So ideally, I mean if you told me that the Knicks turn Marcus Morris into a second round pick, um, it would really depend on where it falls. I think with the Trailblazers, certainly not ideal because you would you, that type of a talent. I mean, based on how he's playing, I know his usage rate is likely off the charts and wouldn't be as much with the team with another team. But 
and this was one game, but I looked at Mo Harkless and I thought, like, you're telling me that the Clippers would much rather have Mo Harkless and their first round pick than a player like Marcus Morris? I don't see it personally. So it's it's the sort of thing where it's a loaded question to say, like the, with the Blazers one, I I struggle with it because then I think, well, what if you kept Morris, right? What if that's the best offer on the table? What if you kept Morris? And, and to be clear, I don't think for a second that that is going to be the best office offer for, for Marcus Morris. Agreed. Agreed. But then it, it kind of goes back to uh, keeping him. And I, I know that there are a lot of fans who love Marcus Morris and want to keep him. Um, I've even seen some fans who who say that they would like to see him go to Philadelphia just because of what he brings and how he wants to be close to home. Uh, to me, it's just like, look, fan stands for fanatic and fanatic is it's it's all out of zeal, right? We're not we're not looking at this from an unbiased perspective. We have a vested interest here. And I think we we can overrate players that are on our team and we can underrate players. Or I'm sorry. We basically, yes, actually, I think that's no, actually, no. We overrate players on our right. own team and we underrate players. Maybe and this isn't coming from to teams. say that Marcus Morris isn't worthy of perhaps of a first round pick. Uh, but it's more that this team has to function like a business. And if you look at all of the teams that have salary, uh, because that was a big thing where it's like, if you do right by Marcus Morris, maybe he'll come back. Well, when you look at the teams that have space, uh, they're all like in the same category as the mix. They're like your Cavs, your Hornets, like really no team that's above a certain level. And that can change just with one trade and a draft sweetener, you know, like for example, the Sixers, if they really, really wanted to, I don't see why they would, but if they wanted to dump Josh Richardson, at the end of the year and try to shuffle things around and then made room for Marcus Morris, they still probably couldn't because of the Embiid and Simmons contracts. But like, I'm just using that as an example where they could, a team could just take a contract that they don't love and dump it elsewhere if they wanted to make the space and felt that Marcus Morris was a difference maker for them. Uh, yes. I, no, I, I don't disagree with anything you say. Um, here, I guess that what I, what I want to throw out there. Um, and I should note that like the Sixers have what is what are currently slated to be the first and third picks of the second round of draft. So to your point, it, there there are some really good um, second rounders that might be available for teams that could be interested in, in bringing aboard Marcus Morris. The other thing that I think I just want to throw into this conversation before we start going through some trades is... And we, sorry, I should also note one other thing, which is uh, SNY um, just posted a video, and I, I'm I didn't stop and listen to it because um, I'm I'm listening to you, but the the quote associated with the video is I want to be here long term, and it's a video of Marcus Morris. I'm sure he was asked in the locker room after the game something about like you know the potential of being moved or whatever. I will say that what I heard from a, a source that I consider to be reliable, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago was that like, not that Marcus Morris was asking out. That's 1000%. That is not what I'm saying, but that he had let it be known to the powers that be that like, look, you know, if there was a trade on the table and, and look, he kept that and, and extraordinarily quiet and he's saying all the right things and I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to quash what he's saying or or make it that he's being disingenuine I I think maybe he genuinely means he would like to like maybe finish his career with the Knicks who who knows maybe he's changed his mind in the last few weeks maybe the guy that that told me this um was was completely full of shit uh, but I, 
it would make sense to me if for as much as Morris likes the situation and likes his team and likes these young players and maybe likes this organization, like wouldn't surprise me if he wouldn't mind going to compete for a championship for the last three months of this year. Um, so I just want to say that. And the only other thing I was going to say before is that on that note, because I think the organization has so much respect for Marcus Morris, and I think this this is part of this conversation, they're not just going to take the best deal and send him anywhere. They're going to get his approval. Like they will not send him somewhere that he does not want to go. Um, this, it, no, but this. Listen, I'm just saying whether yeah, it's, whether it's I, right I, or wrong, we know this front office's track record in terms of like making guys happy. So yes, I totally see what you're saying. I don't think they would ship him off to a place that he really doesn't want to go to. I mean, like for example, if if Portland, you know, you can't really get any further than Philly than Portland, right? Well, let's let's t- you want to talk about some of the teams. Yeah, we absolutely can. But the one thing I want to say just before we do that with Marcus sure. Morris, um, I think it's a little silly to to think he'll come back. I do. Let me let me freeze it. I think that there is a possibility he could come back. If but, you mean if they trade him, would he come back and re-sign with the Knicks this summer? Yes, I don't think it's necessarily likely, but I think you could. I think there's there's at least a chance that he he's been greeted from start to finish. If assuming he's traded to a, a destination he's cool with, as you're saying. Um, that he would return should the opportunity present itself. I think I don't think it's out of the question. Um, the one big thing I have in terms of uh, against the the let him stay crowd, don't trade him because if you can't find the right offer, he reneged on the Clippers and the Spurs and came to the Knicks. To me, it's almost like uh, there's someone you find very attractive, and they cheated on their first partner, and you still find them really attractive. They go to their second partner, they cheat on them too. And then they finally start dating you. Do you expect that they're necessarily going to be with you, uh, you know, completely faithfully throughout the entire time? I don't. I I am suspect to what he has done in the past. I don't think that's wrong, right? I think this is a business. This is it's not personal. It's not like cheating or uh, infidelity in any way. It's but it's the sort of thing where I think that he has certain motivations that we really just don't understand. We can't quantify them ourselves. Yeah. And, and because of that, we have to kind of be a little bit skeptical. And, and I, worst thing to me is holding on to him for the sake of the the chemistry and the young guys and, and the possibility of him returning when if he left and walked and then the Knicks are in a position where they have a worse draft pick because of the fact that he stayed on. Uh, the players who maybe should see more time on the court can't get it because Marcus Morris is there. Um, or if he wanted to actually go. Which is a big part as, of this too, by the way. Or if he did kind of want to go, but he's saying the right things to the media and then he's he's kind of stuck on the team, buying him out would be a disaster. Because oh, no, 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 if, that's like, not right. So no. so you kind of have to let him if you love something, set it free. Right. And if it's meant to be, it comes back to you. It, that's I, how I look at the situation. No, it's well said. And I, I like for all the people who think like, oh, they could trade him and just sign him back this summer. Like, no, it's not that automatic by the same token. Anybody who's like, you have to hold on to him because that's the best chance of keeping him for the long term. Well, no, that's not true either. Like, I hate to say, but like you just said, it's a business. It's a business. It's a business. It's a business. Marcus Morris, at the end of the day, is going to make the best business decision for himself. Just like, hey, he made the best business decision for himself this summer when he backed out of a deal, which is not something that people do a lot in the NBA. So let's just say that real quick. Um, Okay. I... I made a list. I sent it to you. I just want to go through the teams that I believe are 
uh, people like playoff teams that people might bring up as possibilities for Marcus Morris trade. And I just want to go through very quickly why I don't think they are possible. Um, the Bucks, they don't have the matching salary. Boston, aside from the history there, also don't have a matching salary. Uh, Miami is not giving up a young, like one of the young players that would be good at like the really good young players, like a Harrow or obviously a Bam, who's going to be a fucking all NBA team this year. Um, they also don't have a first round pick to trade until 2025. And because of certain protections that exist on uh, picks that they already owe, um, there's a, you would have to uh, make it such that it, it may convey as two seconds because just because of the way the timing works out, there's a possibility like it, the trade rules can't extend that far into the future. Um, so you may not, you may not have even, even get a first for Miami. Um, if you did such a deal, it would, it would likely have to convey into two seconds. Exactly. Um, raps and pacers. I, I just don't see it. Um, do you, do you have any disagreement there? Uh, no, you know, I mean like the, the biggest thing in terms of the, the key theme here is the contracts that the Knicks would want back most likely for Marcus Morris. Yeah. And those teams salary. don't really have it either. Um, None of the teams you've listed has that. Yeah. So in complete agreement, same thing with Houston Raptors. Like, the, Raptors do uh, just to quickly add, but it's it's kind of like yeah, but are, they, are really, they really taking a step forward with with Morris considering the expiring salary that they have that they that they probably enjoy? Yeah, like the Raptors aren't giving up an asset to to trade out you know Serge Ibaka for for Marcus Morris. That's not <clears throat> it's not happening. Um, Houston has no matching salary; they can't trade the Eric Gordon contract this year because he just signed that extension in the offseason. <clears throat> um, they're not trading it to Dallas. I'm sorry, that's just the, they're not trading it to Dallas. Um, similar thing with Utah. I think we said this on the, maybe the Randall trade pod. Um, they can't trade, uh, not saying they would want to, but they can't trade Joe Ingles, um, because they signed him to an extension this summer. Utah just traded for Jordan Clarkson, um, and gave up, I think a, a second or something like Two that. Two seconds in Dante Exum. Yeah. To, to, so basically they gave up seconds to get rid of Dante Exum do you think they're really giving up more assets to turn Clarkson into Marcus Morris? I, I don't see it. Do you? I don't. No, because yeah. he's he's actually been helpful for their bench from yeah. what I've seen. Yeah, and I do. Yeah. You know, it's not to say Morris isn't helpful. Obviously, I think he could be an upgrade over Clarkson. But if you're the Jazz, you've, you're kind of handicapped in terms of the assets you've got to begin with. You so. can't trade a first-round pick until uh, it – Based on the protections of the uh, pick sent out in the Mike Connolly trade, they likely yep. cannot trade a first until 2024. And um, then you're looking at it, it's like, okay, well, is it Dante Exum? And let's say it's let's say this cost it costs like Marcus Morris was uh, was two second round picks as well, right? Just hypothetically speaking, you're basically saying was Dante Exum and four second round picks yeah. worth Marcus Morris? I don't think it's worth it to the Jazz. No, I don't. I don't. As a result, I, don't I don't think so either. Yeah. Um, and then the only other team I had on here was Portland, which you just brought up, which again on on paper kind of makes the most sense, except for the fact that Portland is like hanging on for dear life for the playoffs. It would be you know Kent Bazemore, um, and and their first round pick. I just don't see any way that the the Blazers are giving up, even if they wanted to try to make a run this year, which I don't think they will. I just don't see any way the Blazers are giving up a first round pick, even with protections. Do you or or either of their big young players? Um, Simons or or Nasir Little. Any disagreement there? I think it's it's possible a first could be had. You know, I also don't necessarily see Whiteside staying absolutely throughout the year. I think he is a likely candidate to do so. But 
Nurkic is coming back. Zach Collins is coming back. Before you know it, the <sighs> Blazers are a very deep team at the five. I could see them kind of trying to look into because Nurkic is supposed to come back next month. So yeah, but if you can manage without it, it's just a matter of what their ceiling is, and and I think they're gonna like they don't have to prove to Dame. They really don't have to prove anything to Dame because of the fact that he's already signed, right? Isn't he signed long term? Yeah, but didn't he ink the deal? Yes, but all they don't have to prove to anything. He's not going anywhere. And the other thing is, like, right. look what they've done with their last two first round picks. They got Nasir Little, who looks good. They look. They got Simons, who looks really good. Um, they got uh, Zach Collins the year before that, who I know he's hurt right now. And there were some very good guys drafted after him, but they're very happy with him. It's like this is a team that knows what to make of first round picks. I just don't think they're going to toss one in the garbage. So that leaves. The Lakers, um, the Nuggets, uh, the Sixers, and the Clippers, and a mystery team that you said that you were going to bring up. So let's save your mystery team. I don't think they need we, we need to talk about the Lakers because we kind of did the crazy Morris for KCP and Kuzma um, deal that we talked about on the last podcast. Um, if you are interested in that, go go listen to the end of the last podcast me and Jeremy did. Is there anything? Oh, and we should also say one other thing that I I forgot. Um, Marcus Morris fired Rich Paul as his agent uh, this past summer, which I didn't realize last time. So that does put a little bit of a damper on any possible trade to the Lakers, um, you know, because obviously Rich Paul uh, runs that organization. Anything else you want to say on the Lakers? Um, Just while we're talking about them, uh, going back to our conversation with Kuzma, I think what the Lakers are doing is hilarious. I have a feeling (laughs) they've wanted to trade Kuzma for quite a bit. Oh, I think they're going to trade him. Yeah, but but what they've been doing is they've gone from he's he's untradeable, he's completely like he's off the table to well we'd be listening to offers if they blow us away to slowly oh well you know actually we'll we'll trade them because I think they're going to get there they're just trying to work their leverage as best they can and it's amazing that Kuzma even wasn't even included in the deal to the Pelicans in the first place it's possible that the Pelicans just didn't want him because they didn't feel that he was a good player for them long term anyway. Um, but what's very evident is that the Lakers are doing everything they can to increase Kuzma's value by trying to show that they need to be wowed for him to be moved when I would be shocked if he's not traded by the deadline. I would be too. I hope the Knicks are not it because I think that they will trade him. I think the large part of what you're trading for is the name value, the name of Kyle Kuzma. And his name has carried, like right or wrong, his name has carried weight in the league over the since he's been drafted. Um, you know, started when he kind of hit summer league with a bang and only went went from there. Um, my two biggest fears, by the way, for this Knicks front office uh, from now until the trade deadline, and really, I think the only two things that they could do, which would truly, like, really set this organization back, one would be giving up way too much for Kyle Kuzma, and way too much might be like anything of substance at all because I'm I'm not really sure that he's that good. Um, and the other would be making the godfather offer of all godfather offers for uh, Ben Simmons, which I would not, I would not be shocked. Um, And I'll I'll just leave it at that. Um, But we're not going to talk about that right now. So (laughs) uh, I also want to quickly mention Denver. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on Denver because it would involve Mason Plumlee um, as this outgoing salary. And I think they like Mason Plumlee a lot. I don't think they're any rush to trade Mason Plumlee. Um, for all we know, they don't think like it's in terms of like their particular team chemistry or whatever, that like giving up Mason Plumlee for Marcus Morris, not that it wouldn't be an upgrade, but it's like not, 
not worth the cost of what like like the cost would be higher to them than maybe it would be if considering like Mason Plumlee in a vacuum and like they owe their 2020 pick already so, to OKC so it would be a 22 pick which they're not going to give unprotected because it's the 22 draft and it's going to be the double draft and that whole thing. I don't think they're, I think they're looking to get a first round pick from Malik Beasley or something close to it. So I just, again, I don't see Denver. It, like Denver makes sense on paper. It's also, like you said, it's very far away from um, Philly and it's not LA. Do you think Denver is like a viable thing? And do we need to say anything else on Denver? Not really. Um, I think this is also admittedly far fetched, but we know how Mook loves Mello. Um, Mello was in Denver. <laughs> it's the That's sort of thing where interesting. I, I just just the thought of I think Denver is is a place where he doesn't really want to go. Um, I also don't see so why Denver does it because they've got like, yeah exactly. And yeah. They've got they've got Michael Porter Jr. right now who he's he's looking it, good. Yeah, yeah, he is. And you know we don't have to necessarily rehash the draft, but just just purely from Michael Porter Jr. It's like it's a very nice small sample size. He's not a playoff performer because of the fact that we simply have not seen that yet. We know Mook has experience there. But yeah, if you're Denver, you have to just be content with what you've got and maybe make a very minor upgrade at the, at the deadline. But yeah. I don't see them as a logical place. For and, and we should also say that the reason I, I, I said that the, they're very team oriented is not only in like how they go about their business as an organization, but like just the style that they play is just very, you know, lots of moving parts, lots of like the Clippers – as you saw, like they're a team that like will feature isolations. Um, the Sixers are a team that will feature isolations. And we're going to get to those two teams now. Like that's a team that Marcus Morris will fit a lot easier in than a team like the Nuggets. Um, so I just want to throw that out there too. All right. Before we get to the Sixers or Clippers, because I think they're the two most likely ones, what is your mystery team? So this is really, I, I think it's more fantasy than anything. But I can't wait to if, hear this. Well, who is What it? if I were to tell you that a team could acquire Marcus Morris for effectively no players in return. I I'm I literally have no idea what you're getting at with this, but I can't wait to hear. So I think one of the biggest surprises of this season happens to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the interesting thing about the Thunder is that they have So you Roberson. have the Thunder making a play like a push to get higher in the playoffs today. Well, this is the thing. I think that we we as fans look at it's like championship or bust, right? Yeah. But if you're the if you're the Thunder and you have salary and you've got so many picks that you can afford to even protect one in some way, if like if you want to go for it, you have that ability because the front we know from what we've heard from Kevin O'Connor that the front office really isn't against the idea of of salary, right? Like we thought that they didn't want to be a taxpayer team no matter what, and it seems like that's kind of the opposite. And I think there are a lot of pieces that can kind of move. They really don't have a lot of front court help. They're, I mean, the guards are phenomenal. They've got to have probably a top five rotation of of guards in terms of just what they're able to do, right? But it's the sort of thing where I don't. Again, I don't think it's super likely, but they they could just flip him for they could flip two guys that have not even seen the court this year or like barely have seen the court this year, and a protected pick for. A really big upgrade. So you're Marcus talking about Morris. Andre Andre Robertson and like pick your pick your salary filler guy Pat. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's the thing I'll say about the Thunder. Their pick is will is uh, they owe again. It's a fake 
first round pick, which we're going to get, interestingly enough, we're going to get into when we talk about Philly. Oklahoma City owes their first round pick to Philadelphia this year, except it's protected for selections one to 20. So if, if OKC gets anywhere from the first pick to the 20th pick in the draft, they keep that pick and they send two future second round picks to Philadelphia. They're, I don't care what Oklahoma City does. They are like, I can't imagine they would finish better than the top five teams in the East. Could they finish higher than like the Mavs and the Jazz and be in like the top? Like, I'm sure they want to. Here's my point. I'm sure they want to keep that pick. Um, it's not nut. It's not completely nuts, I guess. But I, something tells me like Marcus Morris is not dying to go to OKC. Agree. You know. Uh, so yeah. let's just. But the thing, yes, I, I totally. I'm with you there. But it's the sort of thing where I look at it. And it's like. I know I, that I the Thunder it. could in like if, if we're looking just on paper, I think it makes sense because the Thunder could become better. They're just again like that's not going to put them over the top, right? Yeah. No. I, who's to say that Marcus Morris will be that piece? I mean, maybe for one of the two teams remaining, I think he could be. But other than that, I don't. I don't think he can go anywhere that makes sense where he will finally be that championship piece. Other than. Again, one of the two places we're going to talk about. Okay, so let's talk about them now. It's now four minutes until the Golden Globes starts. You have you've screwed me, Jeremy. Well, um, hey, you said you said this would not last an hour, and this is lasting an hour. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe my wife will be kind enough to pause the start of the Golden Globes when it comes on at eight. You're DVRing it. All right. Well, I don't have DVR because I'm poor, but we'll get. Let's get on this. Okay. So the Clippers. Um, the Clippers deal is very simple. It is, um, it's Mo Harkless and they, I think because, uh, trading for Marcus Morris would put them over the tax line. They would need to probably put another salary in the deal, um, which they could throw in. Um, I'm seeing a Terrence man. I don't know what a Terrence man is, but that's a, that's a thing. That's a person. Um, I'm seeing a Derek. That's cousin. There you go. (laughs) I love it. I'm seeing a Derek Walt, whatever. The point is, it's essentially um, Mo Harkless and something for Marcus Morris. The something could be one of three things uh, reasonably, or let me rephrase that. One of two things, because I I, I can't imagine they're giving up Landry Landry Shaman. It's either their first round pick. This year, which they can trade because the first tri- pick that they owe to OKC does not convey um, until uh, 2022. Um, so they could trade their first. Um, and the other obvious one to me would be Jerome Robinson, who was their second lottery pick last year after Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, they, the Clippers, we should also say. Uh, other than the 2021, uh, they have all their second round picks. They also have, interestingly enough, two incoming second round picks from Detroit. The, the 2021 Detroit pick and the 2023 Detroit pick, which, you know, who knows where the Pistons are going to be then. The 21 draft is thought to be very good. Um, I guess the question really is, uh, who knows what the Clippers what they think about Jerome Robinson, whether they're super high on him still. He played a little bit tonight. Um, whether they whether they would move him. I think the I think the more interesting discussion is whether or not they would move the first round pick. And I don't know. Um, what do you think? Do you think the Clippers move the first round pick, their first round pick this year, along with Mo Harkless to get Marcus Morris? I do because of the fact that 
uh, Kawhi and PG have opt-outs after 2021, which really puts a gun to the Clippers' heads that they have to make the necessary moves. If you're those two players, you don't care about that 2020 pick. You care about a player who can come in right now and help you win. That pick does not do that. So that's why I think that the Clippers could easily trade that pick. If they hold on to it, um, maybe they do a, some sort of trade on draft night if they can work that around. I'm not sure if they can. It's a little tricky based on salaries and what might be going back. But I, I could see the Clippers absolutely moving it based on the reason where Kawhi and PG are really holding them hostage. Yeah, and I just want to throw out there. Um, so the the Clippers right now, obviously they didn't they didn't play Kawhi tonight. Um, you know, uh, Zubac played twelve minutes tonight. He's probably not a playoff guy, or at least not a heavy minutes playoff guy. Um, Mo Harkless um, played twenty one minutes tonight. Obviously, he'd be the guy coming back in the deal. Rodney Magruder played thirteen minutes tonight. Um, Jermichael Green played 32 minutes tonight. Jermichael Green is probably not a 32-minute um, playoff guy. Um, there would be time. Like, there would be minutes on this roster for um, Marcus Morris, especially considering, like, yeah, Paul George and, and um, Kawhi Leonard are going to have to play some shooting guard minutes in the playoffs. Um, so, like, and Marcus Morris allows you to go, allows you to play big without the pitfalls of playing big. Um, he also allows you to play small. So it's like, I think that deal will be there. So then if that deal is there, that's my flaw. I think the deal will be there. The question is, is there, will there be another deal or can, can the Knicks, like, I don't think they would give the Clippers would give up any more than the first, but let's talk about the Sixers. The Sixers are obviously, um, he's from Philly. Um, they would need to put together, uh, I will uh, um, affectionately refer to as a poo-poo platter of salaries that we don't need to go through who all the players would be, but the Sixers could get there with enough players that they don't aren't really that important to them. They have the aforementioned fake first that will con- from OKC that will convey in all likelihood to two seconds. They also have New York's own next two second rounders, and they have the Hawks second rounder for this year. The Hawks are currently um, the worst team in basketball. So, do you think the Sixers? What What do you think the Sixers would give up for Marcus Morris? And then we'll end with this. Yeah, well, this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier in terms of second round picks. I mean, if you can, is it crazy to think that the Knicks should ask for all three of those picks that you just listed? I don't think it's crazy to ask for that at all. So the, the Knicks, fake the fake OKC first and their own second this year and let's say Atlanta second for this year too? Yeah. You know, the, the only thing is that you try to look at the optics, right? And this is a team where we discussed already in this podcast where it feels like they don't wear failure well. I just wonder if the Knicks trade and – if they trade Mark, Marcus Morris and acquire one of their own picks back what that looks like. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can think I give a, a counter move. to that? Yes, please. The counter is this. We remember Philly actually themselves a few years ago, tried it out a press release after they traded Nerland's Noel. And the literal, I remember like it was yesterday, the title of the press release was Sixers trade Nerland's Noel for first round pick. And it was a protected first round pick from Dallas such that it never in a million years was it going to convey as a first. It was going to convey as whatever the hell it ended up conveying as two seconds. If you don't think for a second 
the Knicks would th- consider in making the deal that they would be able to send out a press release, Knicks trade Marcus Morris for a first round pick, you're nuts. Because no, that not, absolutely saying, would matter to them. Of course. I'm saying that in terms of acquiring one of their own second round picks back, if like if it were if it weren't the Yeah, fake but that first, would be right? secondary. Were, that would be a secondary part of the deal. Like you, you get what well, I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm saying what if there's a situation where it's salary and three second round picks, but they're both Knicks picks and the Hawks pick. I understand you're, what you're saying. Yeah. Then you're looking and it's like, okay, well, the Knicks got two of their picks back and a second round pick for signing Marcus Morris in the summer. To me, that's a great deal if you're looking at the fact that all those picks highly concentrated, at least two of them are going to probably be within the top five of the second round. That's great. It's just the optics are, okay, well – the Knicks traded two of those picks away in the first place. They're just getting them back. And then it looks like they've effectively traded Marcus Morris for a late second or an early second round pick, which again, to me is not a big deal. I think that's a good deal because if you're looking at the teams that would likely give up a trade or give or give up something in a trade, I don't know how many are willing to give up that first round pick. And we just went through the teams that, yeah. that would or wouldn't. So, I mean, to me, it would work out. It's just, I don't, I don't see Philly giving up all three of those picks. My, uh, but but I'm with you. If if the Knicks were able to say we got a protected first round pick, it, it's it at least sells the fan base well. Um, it it just you know turns into two second round picks, which is it's depending on where they fall, potentially not as ideal. My but, yeah, but I don't think it changes that much for Philly anyway. I think it's a healthy addition. I just like I don't think Marcus Morris to Philly. I think it's a steal. Helps. I think it's a steal yeah. for Philly, and I think look. <laughs> Obviously, they have a lot steal of for them in what way, though, because I because, still don't see them. I don't see Marcus Morris propelling them past the Bucks. Maybe, maybe he could. Maybe he could. You know, I, I mean, that so I disagree. I think he's another guy you could throw on um, Giannis, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes a game. And I know they're big. And obviously, they have a lot of big guys already. And we think in the playoffs, you have to go small. But like, again, Marcus Morris allows you to kind of toe that line he plays the type of basketball that the Sixers already play he'd be an easy fit and I think the Knicks and I I, my prediction is that they will trade him to the Sixers I think they will use the prospect of trading him to the Clippers to drive up the Sixers price and I think they will get essentially whether it's two second round picks three second round picks whatever it ends up being and I think they could probably squeeze um, the Smith kid uh, out of the deal to Zaire Smith and that's that's my prediction. I think that's what's going to happen. I would love it. That yeah. would be fantastic. Okay. Um, we're five minutes into the Globes. Let's get the hell out of here. Jeremy, anything you got to say before we go? Uh, I'll just have an article this week about a cornerstone for the Knicks. I think that's the elusive piece. Um, trying to figure out how to how to find that. It's uh, It's been a labor of love, but I'm looking forward to releasing it. I am looking forward to reading it. Everybody out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. We love you. You know we do. Uh, We will talk to you very soon.